Welcome to Bruce Styles for Friday, June 12th, 2015, brought to you from Arlington, Texas. I'm Chris. I'm Travis. And I'm Sawyer. This week, we will be talking about Style 10A, the American Pale Ale. Check out our website, brewstyles.com, where you can leave us feedback and requests for us to discuss your favorite beer styles. Send us an email to ask us some questions, and we will get them answered on the air. While on our site, you can also find a link to the BJCP website. There you can download your own copy of the BJCP style guidelines and get more information about how to become an official BJCP certified beer judge. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash brewstyles. Like our page and post some comments to help us bring you the information you need. All right, so this is our very first episode, so we thought it would be a good idea to explain a little bit about what it is we want to accomplish with this podcast. Um, So first off, what is Brew Styles? Well, our idea here was that we have a podcast where each episode we talk about a different style of beer. Most of the podcasts that we listen to have very specific goals like talking about homebrewing or interviewing people in the industry or specific breweries, things like that. So what we wanted to do is just have a simple podcast where we pick a style for the week off of the BJCP style guidelines and uh, give our impressions on it and talk a little bit about the style. So your question might be, who are these guys and why should I listen to them on their podcast? Well, first off, just a disclaimer, I want to say that none of us are professionals. None of us have gone to beer school uh, none of us are uh, professional brewers or anything like that. We are home brewers, however, so we have a really good appreciation for very well-made craft beer, um, and we just wanted to share our experiences and our opinions with you. So, with that being said, if you ever have a differing opinion about what we say on the air, please feel free to let us know because we always like to hear uh, what our listeners have to say and their opinions, and we just love talking about beer so please feel free to drop us an email that's right we're just three guys that have a passion for craft beer we have a passion for making beer for talking about it we're all a part of a local homebrew club called cap and hair based out of fort worth texas and some of the best times we have are during club meetings whenever you just have a chance to talk to people and you learn so much by having discussions with people that know a ton more than you and we just wanted to take this chance as a, a podcast to talk about what different beer styles there are. If you're listening, then you obviously know that there are different styles of beer, not just the pale, light lager that you might see on TV, but there's so much more, and we are very excited to take a different episode to talk about which styles might be on our mind for that week. All right, well, enough about us. Next, we're going to try and jump into some guidelines of uh, from the BJCP website, uh, bjcp.org. You can also find, find the link to that website on our website, uh, brewstyles.com. Um, today, our topic will be the American Pale Ale, and we're just going to use the BJCP website here to kind of talk about what is an American Pale Ale, what makes it a Pale Ale, what it's not, and we'll, we'll kind of do what it's not at the end, I guess. Um, first off... Uh, the aroma. This is a big part of it. Uh, every beer has its own smell, uh, distinct smell, I guess you could say. 
Uh, as far as the pale ale is concerned, uh, it says usually moderate to strong hop aroma from dry hopping or late kettle additions of American hop varieties. A citrusy hop character is very common but not required for this beer. Also, uh, there is a definite and actually nice balance of malt to hop ratio. So, um, that's just kind of a short thing on the aroma side of things. This is as far as what you can smell for, I guess, as opposed to look for. Uh, as far as appearance, pale golden to deep amber, moderately large white to off-white head with go- with good retention, and generally quite clear. Uh, I know some of us here like clear beer as opposed to hazy beer. I'm not going to name names. Shh. <laughs> <clears throat> Flavor, usually a moderate to high hop flavor, often showing a citrusy American hop character. Uh, low to moderate high clean malt character supports the hop presentation. So again, there's that balance of malt to hop. Um, and the malt may optionally show small amounts of uh, specialty uh, malt characters like bready, toasty, biscuity um, characteristics. As far as the mouthfeel is concerned, medium to light body, very refreshing beer. Um, it's a very easy drinking beer and perfect for summertime. Now, let's kind of go around and maybe talk about what isn't a pale ale. Absolutely. I like that you said the keyword balance several times, and I feel that that's the core of this style. It's all about balancing the citrus floral notes to the bready and toasty notes. It's about balancing the hot bitterness to the malty sweetness. You don't want to have either one of those really taking charge. Yes, it's okay to push the envelope one way or the other because that gives the style some character. However, it is not a session IPA. And you might have heard that term before. It's a fairly recent style, and it's a a specific style in the new uh, iteration of the BJCP guidelines. But an IPA and a pale ale differ greatly in that an IPA has very hop-forward taste and aromas. A pale ale does not. A session IPA, the, the word session refers to the alcohol strength, so you're basically taking an IPA, which is extremely hop-forward, they're very present in the smell and the flavor, and then cutting down the alcohol so that you have a more sessionable, meaning you can have several in one session without really affecting your faculties too much. And a session IPA still has that very hop intensity that you'd expect from a a good IPA. A pale ale, however, while it can still be the same alcohol strength as a session IPA, should not be extremely hop forward and uh, have the same intensity as what you would get from an IPA. Right. I think it's also important to point out the difference between uh, the American pale ale and something from the European side. So Hmm. when we're talking about American paleo, we're talking about something using American malts, American hops. Now, I think the hop side of it's probably a little bit more prevalent in the aroma and the flavor because American hops are completely different than European hops. Um, The American hops are going to be a little bit more uh, floral, citrusy, that sort of thing. The, the European hops are going to be a little bit more tame, I would say. Uh, they're not as, as much in your face. It's going to be more earthy, kind of dirty, uh, woody kind of hops. So that's a very important distinction to make as well. 
Now, with all that being said, let's go back in time a little bit and see what the differences are exactly uh, between the American Pale Ale and the English Pale Ale because that was kind of where it came from. So Travis is going to tell us a little bit about the origins of this style. Hello, and welcome to the very first session of History of Beer 101. I'm Professor Pollen here to take you, to whisk you away on a time travel back in time. Wow. Hello, Gavner. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, so... I'm not going to sit here and talk about the entire history of beer. Beer has been around for thousands of years. But I do want to get specifically into the style we're talking about today, the American Pale Ale. Well, the style in general, a pale ale, originated in England. And right now it's probably the world's most popular style of ale. In America, you might think, well, the, the most popular style is the pale light lager. And that's true for the time being. But when you're talking worldwide, the pale ale has been around for a long time, and it is the most popular style of ale, which is different from a lager. Now, if you don't know the difference between an ale and a lager, we're going to be covering all of this information in an upcoming podcast, Beer 101, where we pretty much start at Chapter 1 and go all through everything about beer. You can look forward to that coming soon. But today we're talking about the American pale ale, and it started off in England, as I said, And the original styles of English beer were a mild, a bitter, and a pale. And the pale ale was a special variety of British ale that tends to be a little more hoppy and higher in alcohol than the other relatives, especially the English bitter. Well, the American craft beer revolution started in the early 1980s. And at this time, believe it or not, there were only 44 established breweries in the United States. And all these breweries were making the same type of beer, Uh, the same kind of light pale lager, and consumers really didn't have much of an option when it came to that. Well, there were many home brewers in the United States at this time also, and they wanted to give consumers the kind of variety that they're making at home. So that's where these craft breweries started popping up. They didn't want to make the same kind of beer that Europeans made. We wanted to give it our own American twist. So instead of creating a European pale ale, with the European ingredients, we did the same style, the same kind of beer, but with American ingredients. So when you're using American malts, uh, these would be lighter versus the darker kiln of English, which were always made for a fuller flavor. American hops are very different, and this is what really gives this style its pizzazz. Uh, Hops such as Cascade, Willamette, Centennial, Chinook, and other Washington-grown varieties had a very citrus, resiny, uh, they were bright, they were spicy, versus the earthy, floral, and grassy tones of the English varieties. So using American ingredients with the same kind of recipe as what was made in England completely changed the style, and that's really where it came into its own. All right, well, thank you, Professor Plum. Plum! Pollen. (laughs) That's right. The next part we're going to do is our tasting section. Each week we are going to get one of the beers on the BJCP guideline list of the classic style. This is what the BJCP thinks is um, one of the best representations of that specific style. And then after that, each one of us brought another uh, example of the style and we'll taste those as well. For this week, our classic example is the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. This is a favorite of uh, all of ours, and so we thought it would be perfect to taste this on the air. 
Now, normally, whenever you pour a beer, you want to pour very carefully down the side of the glass so you can get the entire beer in your glass. But when you're doing a tasting, you want to pour vigorously down the center of the glass so you can get a nice, foamy head going. The head is where you will get most of your aroma from. All right, so we each have a small sample of the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, and I just want to mention that the first taste always happens with the eyes. So we're taking a look at it right now. And it looks like <clears throat> I got the bottom of the bottle. <laughs> oh, not the truth. I left most of the yeast in the bottle. Okay, because I, I have some particles, and it's pretty cloudy. For, you, the, for the record, I did offer to take the yeast. Oh, we will. You'll take it hard. Uh, we're going <clears> to... <throat> we'll try that at the end. This particular version of the American Palo by Sierra Nevada is actually bottle-conditioned. Which means that instead of instead of carbonating with CO2 and then putting it in the bottle, they will put a small amount of yeast in every bottle, which continues to ferment as the bottle is sitting on the shelves, and that's that's what home brewers have done for a long time. So if you want a classic example of this beer, then it has to be bottle conditioned. And that doesn't happen very often anymore. Not many breweries will bottle condition. So that being said. When we poured it, we were very careful to pour slowly uh, to leave most of the yeast sediment down in the bottom of the bottle. Now, at the end, we are going to try it just to see how different the yeast cake is versus uh, the fairly clear example that we have now and see how the flavor and the aroma changes. <clears throat> now, when he says theirs is clear, <laughs> um, I, mine's mine's pretty cloudy. Because uh, I do already have some yeast particulates, uh, could be some hot particulates in my glass. They're very visible. Uh, the other two pores, though, are, are pretty clear. So, mm -hmm. um, Next, the aroma is has a lot of citrus and a lot of pine. Uh, that's, that's all the Cascade hops that they use in this. There's, that's one of the most popular American hops is Cascade. It's very piney and very citrusy. The smell of Cascade hops are awesome. Yeah, I love me. I love me some Cascade. That's yeah. what really differentiates this particular style, the American Paleo, from the English Paleo, and it, it's the hops. Those are the the shining stars of this beer. Next, the flavor. Not a lot of hop flavor. Earlier, we discussed the key to a Paleo being balance, and mm -hmm. I think this has a perfect balance of hops, citrus, and the sweet malts. Absolutely, it's very well-rounded. You can get a sense of the hops and the bitterness and the uh, the citrus resiny tones that are imparted from the uh, the Pacific Northwest hops that they use. But it's not overpowering. It's not uh, so intense that you think, oh my God, this hops. Yes, there is, uh, as we discussed earlier, a big difference between a pale ale and a session IPA. And so if you're curious to what exactly a pale ale is an american pale ale then i definitely suggest picking up the sierra nevada because it is it is my favorite commercial pale ale and um when i did my homebrew recipe i kind of made it after what this is and we'll talk a little bit more about that in our homebrew section so does anybody else have anything they want to say about the sierra nevada i like this beer yeah it's a very good beer oh actually you know what we didn't mention the color the BJCP guidelines talk about a golden to amber color, and that's that can be a pretty broad range. Uh, anything within those 
within those two extremes could be considered a pale ale. And this is kind of a... Um, it's right in the middle. A dark golden, light amber color. So it's, yeah, right in the middle. Absolutely. These are guidelines. It's not scripture. What uh, the BGCP... More like guidelines. Oh, guidelines. <laughs> <laughs> what BGCP wanted to accomplish when we put these out is to give some sort of direction whenever homebrew judges were judging a homebrew comp- competition. That's exactly what this is for. And they really didn't expect it to become as popular or widespread as it did when they first put them out. And so in their most recent iteration, the uh, 2015 version of this, they were very, very specific at the beginning that these are guidelines, and if a beer happens to deviate from the guidelines, but it's still a good example, it's still a good, uh, well-made beer, then they shouldn't be docked for that. And so in their in their wording, they use terms like moderate or might have or may have or should be things like that because they want to have a, a wide range for a, a beer to be made and still fit in the style even if it doesn't necessarily fit within the specific wording and i know from past experience the three examples that we brought tonight of our favorite examples are going to be very different in not only appearance but aroma and flavor and even just the overall presentation as well. It's 18B, by the way. Yeah, you're right, Sawyer. I think I mentioned earlier that it was 10A, but I was looking at the 2008 guidelines and not the 2015 guidelines. Living in the past. 2015. All right, so next up is Sawyer's beer. Sawyer, why don't you tell us about this? So, this is the... Hey, we forgot to drink the yeast. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Time for yeast. All right. Time out. We're not going to do Sawyer's beer yet. Dump the yeast. All right. So this is the end of the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale bottle. And we saved the yeast, swirled it up. We're going to dump it into everyone's glass. We're going to get the runs. Yeah. See what what it's like. Appearance is totally different. Very cloudy, murky. Well, see, this is a lot more close to what it was i was drinking because it still tastes similar to me i I did get a little bit of yeast in the in the uh, aroma whenever i drank mine but that smells very bready yeah very bready to me yeah i agree it definitely changes it but i don't think it's in a negative way almost like it just gives a little bit more character it gives a little more depth but so i mean if you're drinking an entire bottle by yourself you know Pour carefully so you don't get a whole lot of foam, but dump the whole bottle in. It'll it'll all mix together when you drink it, and it'll it'll make it a lot more of a pleasurable experience. Yeah, it's real good. Yeah, bottle conditioning, you'll find that a lot in other styles too. So uh, you can pour it carefully, taste the beer first, see what it's like, and then just dump the whole thing in. All right, so, Sawyer, on to your beer. All right. What'd you bring us? I'm excited for this one because, actually, I've never had this one. And you brought it as your favorite style. Yes. Or favorite of the style. Because I like the brewery. So <laughs> That's hey, fair. All right. Okay. So what is it? So this is the Revolver Sidewinder. And it is oh, a, yeah. what they call a Southwestern Pale Ale. What's a Southwestern Pale Ale? Well, let me read you their commercial description That's real quick nice to kind of get an idea. Let me just pull that up from my notes real quick. Okay. This is a 6% beer. This extremely pale ale has a unite or unique unite. Blend. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry, a unique blend of regional flavors, 
It's brewed with agave nectar, citrus, maize, spices, and finished with citra hops. Interesting. So it's going to be a little bit different. Yes, it will be. <laughs> um, yes. All right. So it is. The color is a little bit lighter. That's for sure. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. that aroma though. It's a little. Yeah, this looks very. Uh, it's slightly hazy, but it's kind of a light golden color. See, mine's pretty. Uh, okay, it's not as clear as I first thought. <laughs> kind of looks like curds. No. Not quite. No. Just mine just, does. No, just no. You may leave now. Yeah. <laughs> Get out. Get oh. to, do it now. Get out. I'll do it. Get out. Chopper. It's been nice knowing you guys. Yeah. And that was Bruce Styles. So <laughs> we'll see you next week. All right. Anyway. Um. So yeah, it's a a, a golden color, a little bit hazy. Different appearance. Still then, fits within the guidelines. Then whitehead. Whitehead. Whoa. That sounds a little white with a T. It definitely smells different. Um, not not so citrusy. You said agave nectar. Agave. Yes. Yeah, this one has some interesting ingredients you don't normally find. Not that that's a bad thing, but yeah, agave, citrus, maize, and spices. You know, I, I don't necessarily Ooh. like the aroma, but it also kind of reminds me hmm. of avocado. Hmm. You, you know what I mean? It's well, I don't know about avocado. It's got a little bit of spice to it, maybe. Like a black pepper, but not like. It's not over the top. So maybe paradise seeds. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Maybe. My God. Maybe. <laughs> there's a lot of times whenever you either smell or taste something, and if you've seen uh, a label on the bottle Ooh. or a term, you know it's like because I've I've seen the word maize on there, so now I'm thinking corn, and it can taint your perspective. Yeah, did I think that, or would I have thought that if I didn't know that before? I don't know. But now, that's all I can think about. So, yeah, if you think maize, if you think agave or citrus, then that's what you'll pick up. And it is, it is citra hop, so it's definitely a little bit different than the Cascade. I think the Cascade are more of a uh, piney citrus rather than a sweet citrus, like the citra is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a very it definitely sweet. tastes sweeter than the Sierra Nevada. Yeah, it's a very sweet beginning. The mouthfeel on this is interesting. It's almost... It's almost harsh, like a, a citric acid, but not. I mean, it's not burning through my tongue. <clears throat> Maybe carbonation, a little more carbonation than on the Sierra Nevada. Uh, could be. It. It's definitely noticeable. The alcohol levels are similar. This one is six point oh. The previous one, the Sierra Nevada, was five point six. So those are close. Normally, that's what you would attribute to a, a palate tingle. You know, on the finish, I really get the maze. Yeah, I do too. It is it is kind of corny. Just like me. <laughs> Professor Pollen. Um Thank you. I'll be here all week, folks. So, yeah, I I do get a lot more of the corn. That which the reason I say that is because if you taste one of the, you know, pale American lagers like we were talking about earlier, that's the most common thing that you can buy here in the states. But like Miller's like Coors Light, you know, all that kind of stuff. They are brewed with maize, and the finish on this is very similar to that, in my perspective. Anybody else? Yeah, no, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah, and that's kind of a throwback to uh, the pre-Prohibition beers were all made with with uh, flaked corn or maize or rice, just because that's what was abundantly available in the United States at the time. So they brew with what they have. We grow... A ton of corn here, and so that's kind of a 
makes it more bit. makes it more American. Yeah, America, <laughs> America, America. <laughs> mm, yeah, we can't finish that song because we're on iTunes. We did not check the explicit box. Can no. we go back? So it... <laughs> Just a question. All right, and moving on, we have our next example that I brought today, and it's the Roaring Sons Pride of Texas Pale Ale, and this one is uh, one of the more recent beers, and it's canned, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Sounded like a bottle to me. <clears throat> well, they started their canning line not too long ago, maybe a year, year and a half. Uh, in fact... I With think, this beer. Yes, I think, Chris, you and I were were at the brewery when they made this announcement that they had purchased a canning line and they were going to uh, can two things, starting with their Blonde, which is one of their uh, one of their flagship beers along with the Ugly Pug, and then this one, which was new at the time, the Pride of Texas Pale Ale. And they did not have a, a year-round pale ale. They had made one previous, which is called the Cat's Eye Pale Ale, and it was around for a very short period of time, but was uh, never really put into large production. So they came up with this one. They wanted something easy drinking that you could put in a can, throw it in your backpack, or toss in the cooler and go down to the lake or hike up the trail. And uh, this one, the blonde, really fit that that description. So uh, with this one, it is uh, 5.8% ABV, along fits well into the guidelines, and. Uh, on the can, it's got an interesting description. It says, Pride of Texas. There's pride. And then there's the pride of Texas. Our pale ale is a tribute to our home state. Hoppy and bold, yet smooth and thirst-quenching. Pride of Texas cans are perfect for any outdoor gathering or activity where bottles are frowned upon. Best of all, if you're feeling macho, you can crush them like a man. <laughs> Wow. Apparently I'm not a man. <laughs> it's kind of, well it um my it's hand. crushed but it's all kind of My forehead hurts. That's that could be a work of art right there. White can <laughs> Actually it's white and black. Quality brewed, quality crushed. And, uh, silver. <laughs> anyway, uh this definitely is darker than the other examples that we have looked at so far today. Absolutely. I'd call this one copper. Yeah, it's definitely in the, the, the amber-ish side mm-hmm. rather than the golden side of the style guideline. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, thin white head. Ooh, hot. You, get, you, can, you can agitate a good-sized head on there, but it doesn't last a long time. Yeah. It dissipates fairly quickly. One way to really appreciate the aroma is to swirl it around and kind of cultivate a big frothy head on top and, yeah, and take a big whiff. We talked earlier about the fact that you mm-hmm. get your aroma from the head, not from the liquid itself. Yeah. So, I wonder, anyway. I wonder what kind of hops these are. It smells kind of like Cascade. I definitely get a lot uh, sweeter maltiness from it mm-hmm. than, um, well, the, the Sierra Nevada specifically. But uh, yeah. um, it's kind of hard to compare this one to the Sidewinder because the Sidewinder was so different. Yeah. Yes. Was, but comparing this to our classic example, it's definitely on the sweeter, maltier side rather than the hoppier side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fritz Rahr has <clears throat> German heritage, and so many of their beers have been crafted with the more European style rather than the 
American hot forward intense uh, intensity that we've seen from other breweries. And I think this is this would be a good example of a more conservative American pale ale. Uh, if we're talking about on the European side of things, where it's it doesn't edge on hop forward, but it edges on maybe malt forward. So in this one, yes, you do get some hops, but I would say it's it's more grassy, a little more subdued, subtle. Uh, yeah, and, that, and that's that's fantastic. Yeah. It's it's just a, a different example of the same the same style, and it doesn't finish too dry. I mean, it's it's got a lingering sweetness in it as well. Yeah, get some caramel sweetness from it. Yeah, not bad. This is pretty good beer. Yeah, I like it. All right, so our last beer that we're going to drink, and my example of this style is a little bit different. Um, this is there we go. There we go. This is oh, the oh. Um, pale. It's good. It's good. He got a little excited. False alarm. Okay, just try to foam up a little bit. Anyway, so uh, Deep Ellum is another local brewery here in DFW, and this is their pale ale. It's actually an oatmeal pale ale, so it'll be a little bit different. We'll see how how the oatmeal changes things. Could we classify that as an OPA? Help me, OPA. You're my only hope. <laughs> sure. Uh, all right, so as it's pouring, I see... OPA Kenobi. I see some pretty thick foam. I don't know if that's Sawyer sucking at pouring beer. Hey, shut up. I'm pouring it exactly how you mentioned earlier. That's right. You said pour it vigorously down the center. Vigorously. All right. Pour me some beer. I'm pouring some beer. From some beer. That's right. From our program notes. For small tastings, pour vigorously down the center of the glass. Now, see, that looks fine. Sawyer had like four, five, six inches of foam in his. Wait, I've got more to go around. I need a lot. All right, so this is very cloudy, opaque. The aroma is definitely different, too. (laughs) Very thick, persistent head. Yeah, the color in this is very dark. Maybe, Maybe I made the comment about the head earlier because it doesn't go away. You know, the other examples that we poured... The head dissipated fairly quickly. This one sticks around, and I I can guarantee you that's because of the oatmeal. Yeah, probably. Oats have a strange effect on head retention. I think we know someone that likes to use a lot of oats in their beer. <laughs> we'll be bringing him on next. Well, maybe not next time, but in sometime in the near future. We'll definitely get Fredo in here to talk about his brewing. Professor oatmeal. Oat. <laughs> oh, wait, that's a Pokemon thing. Professor Oak. Wow. I still have my Pokemon cards. All right, so the aroma. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to ignore that for a second. I haven't looked at them in like five, six, seven years. Does anybody get uh, a little bit of spice? It's kind of spicy in the aroma. A little bit, yeah. Might be those paradise seeds. This one's really like leafy. (laughs) This one's probably the most uh, natural. (laughs) If you were to take uh, dry leaves and kind of crush them up and then make a tea out of them. Tea leaves, green tea. Oh wow, the flavor is wow. That's different. That's really different. Hmm. It's really sweet, but not like malty sweet. Yeah, wow. That's dang. I'd say the oatmeal really comes through in the mouth feel. Yeah. This one feels a lot thicker than the other ones we've had. 
I wouldn't say chewy, but I would say uh, full body. Not, chew, <laughs> not chewy, but full bodied. Yeah, full bodied. She's got lots of curves. It's not chewy like a, like some stouts. No, but yeah, it definitely it's it's thicker, <clears throat> fuller. So hot profile. I don't taste them, Travis. Mm. They don't. It's not apparent. If there's anything, I would say it's probably a European strand, more earthy, more grassy than like intense Cascade or Citra or some of the more uh, hot forward ones we've seen this evening. That would be my guess. Yeah, I think the oatmeal has a huge part in the mouthfeel, the flavor, everything. It. I was I was kind of hesitant when I picked it up because I saw it said oatmeal, but I'm glad I did because it's completely different. And I, don't, I if I have had this one, it's been a while, so mm-hmm. it's a good refresher. And I usually like Deep Ellum stuff. I'm not saying I don't like this one, but it's definitely kind of not what you would expect for a paleo. But it's okay because you're supposed to bring your favorite anyways. Well, my favorite was the Sierra Nevada, and we already were going to use that one. Okay, so so I had to second, I had to bring something else. Your second favorite. Son. I don't I don't know what my second favorite is because. But you brought one, so this has to be your second favorite. He no. had the cheap answer. That's, no, this was this was oh it's Deep Ellum, so I picked it up. So okay, so you're like me. You you brought it because you like the brewery. Yes. Okay. Brr. Brr, 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 brr. <laughs> yeah, he he got away with the cheap answer. That's like. In Bible school, whenever they ask a question, you say Jesus is the answer. Then you're going to be right without listening to the question. Yeah. <laughs> so then, if if we say American Pale Ale, but seriously, course, the, the, Sierra, the Sierra, Nevada Sierra Nevada is my favorite Pale Ale. I mean, I've got bottles out the wazoo of Sierra Nevada that He's I got use. Bottles on, in his wazoo? I said out the wazoo. That's whatever. a little weird. <sighs> whenever I, okay. I don't know why, but I like the short bottles. Um, that Sierra Nevada uses. There you go, folks. You heard it here first. He likes the short bottles. Join us next week whenever we have our next podcast on short bottles. Back anyway, to you, Chris. Anyway, <laughs> I like the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. That was the whole point of all of that. <clears throat> so, yeah, this is definitely different. Um, the oats definitely impart a different mouthfeel, different flavor. I don't... I don't know if the aroma, maybe so much. Yeah, the aroma is a little different. <clears throat> Let me just this is it. another one of those weird examples where it smells like it tastes. I can see that. A little bit, yeah. I definitely That think... doesn't happen all the time, but this one definitely smells like it tastes. I definitely get the oatmeal and the aroma. Or yeah. tastes like it smells. And you would think that would be the case all the time. What you smell is what you taste, but it's not. No, yeah. not at yeah. all. What is it? The uh, or factor receptors or something like that? X factor. That's a show. No, that's <laughs> olfactory. Oh, is that what I said? No, you said X factor. No, I didn't. You said yeah, X factor. No, you did say X factor. I said oh, rewind it. Rewind it. You'll, you'll We're not see. Gonna, we can't rewind it. <laughs> X factor. See. Ba ba da ba. Anyway, so out of the four, Travis, what's your favorite? Not necessarily. Okay, let's let's do this two ways. Obviously, the a uh, Sierra Nevada fits the standard guideline. 
out of the other three, which one is the closest? Mm, I'd have to go with the one that I brought. The, of course. Uh, the RAR <laughs> Pride of Texas because it doesn't have a lot of really crazy ingredients. Honestly, the one I enjoyed drinking the most was Sierra Nevada tonight. Okay. Sawyer, same question. I would have to agree with Travis to an extent. Um, the RAR and Sons was very good, very close to Pride what of Texas. Got. Yes. Yep. The the guidelines, well, that's it's close to the guidelines. However, the Sierra Nevada is really good too. Yeah. So, agreed. <laughs> well, um, with that being said, the Sierra Nevada, obviously, I said earlier was my favorite pale ale. But if I were to choose another one, I think I would have to go with the Deep Ellum. Deep Ellum. Yeah. It's, it's a just good beer. it's it's very good. It it's different. <clears throat> And, you know, I'm always, I, I gravitate towards things that are different. I'm always wanting to try something new. And I think the Deep Ellum is definitely different as far as the Pale Ale style itself goes. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. If I were presented with the three other than Sierra Nevada, I would take the Deep Ellum. That's interesting. This is the second time I've had an oatmeal Pale Ale. The first time was from another Texas brewery, Ranger Creek. Uh, they make a beer called OPA, which is no with Pale Ale. And that one and this one, it it's very different. Just adding oatmeal to the beer completely changes the way you experience it, and and that's that's surprising because you think well, just adding one ingredient, whether regardless of how much or how little you add or when in the in the brewing process you add it, it still makes a big difference. And uh, I definitely see the oatmeal coming through in a big way on this one. It it wasn't necessarily my favorite, but I would I would not hesitate to order it if I uh, came across it at a local watering hole. Yeah, I, I would say the same. And it's it's kind of cool that some of these brewers are going with oatmeal in their beers these days, no matter what the style is. I kind of find it to be interesting in either in, in any beer. All right, so uh, like we said at the beginning, all three of us are home brewers, and so what we thought we'd do at the end of each of these episodes is give a little bit of uh, tips and recipes and things like that for if you want to brew one of these styles at home. Now, um, I want to start out with just saying that the pale ale is a very simple type of recipe. A lot of people will try to put too many malts in their recipe and it just kind of makes it too complex. We talked earlier about how the key to bring a really good pale ale is keeping it balanced. So uh, I would say this is a very keep it simple kind of style. Travis was able to dig up the original Sierra Nevada pale ale recipe from 1982 and I was kind of looking comparing it to the recipe that I use for my pale ale, and it's very similar. The Sierra Nevada recipe calls for eight pounds of two-row, which is a base grain pale malt, and eight ounces of American Crystal Malt 10 Lava Bond. That's it for the grain bill. Uh, If you're doing extract recipe, that would be six and a half pounds of light extract and eight ounces of the 10 Lava Bond Crystal. The complicated part gets into the hop schedule. For your all grain, you're looking at three quarter ounce of cluster at 60 minutes, three quarter ounce cascade at 30 minutes, half an ounce of tetanang at 30, 
and then half an ounce of Cascade at one minute, along with half an ounce of Tetanang at one minute. That's it for the recipe. Uh, the mash schedule is, uh, let's see, 152 degrees Fahrenheit for 60 minutes. Then you'll raise to 167 degrees Fahrenheit for your lauder and your sparge. You'll boil for 60 minutes and chill and pitch your yeast. So that's the Sierra Nevada recipe. Mine is similar with a few slight differences. So for my pale ale recipe, I have 9.75 pounds of two-row for my base grain and one pound of crystal uh, 40 lava bond. So it's different than the tin lava bond you would use uh, if you were trying to brew the original Sierra Nevada pale recipe. I also use a different hop uh, selection. My 60-minute addition of my hops include half an ounce of pearl and a quarter ounce of magnum. Then at 15 minutes, I'll use one ounce of Cascade. And at flame out, zero minutes of my boil, I'll use another ounce of Cascade. And then I will dry hop with three-quarter ounce of Cascade. So my hop schedule is a little uh, simplified compared to the Sierra Nevada example. Uh, But it has some great results. I really enjoy it. Uh, I've brewed it twice now, and it's been fantastic. And I think... Everybody else that has tasted it has also enjoyed it. It's very simple, very tasty, and it's a great summer light beer. Absolutely. It's such an easy drinking beer, and that's really what you want from an American Pale Ale. Something that you can come home from work, knock down a glass or two, and just enjoy it. Yeah, it's not something that you have to work to drink, you know, like a darker beer, for example. But if you like variety, you know, go for it. Thank you for joining us for our premiere episode of Brew Styles, where our topic of discussion was the American Pale Ale. Look for our next episode coming soon, where we delve into the wonderful world of Saison's Category 16C. To help us sign off, we're joined by Bubba, the local representative from the Texas American Patriot United Homebrew Association of the Republic of Texas, otherwise known as Tap You Heart. Bubba has many years of homebrewing experience and has compiled a list of brew tips that he will be releasing in an upcoming publication, Brew Tips and Tricks, Changing the World One Beer at a Time. Please welcome him into the studio this evening where he'll be sharing one of his tips with us. Bubba! Howdy, y'all. Hey. Hi. How y'all doing? I'm okay. Welcome. Well, today I just want to share with you uh, brew tip number 13. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> it is don't brew after you've been drinking all day that's hard well, okay so i know that's hard for some of us because i know the first thing i do in the morning is open up beer <laughs> somebody said say like, why don't you try drinking coffee in the morning well, i don't like it coffee tastes like dirt i like beer so i just don't drink <laughs> a beer in the morning starts off my day right okay that's fair so that's it that's all my tip that's all i got for you just the tip what? What about 1 through 12? What? Yeah, I don't think we heard brew tip number 1 through 12, but I, that, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, thank you, Bubba, for sharing your pearls of wisdom. We look forward to seeing you next time here on Brew Styles. Okay, bye!